really, really simply, the help of God, the comfort of God is given so that help can be given. I want you first this morning to think about the most special and profound times in your life for a moment. If you need to sit and close your eyes, uh, then uh, do. Uh, it's probably not a moment to be making unbroken eye contact with me because I'm probably not part of the most special or profound moments in your life, yet some of you are still looking at me for some reason. Just think about the most special, profound times in your life. There we go. Okay, good. Uh, I would guess uh, there would be a, a link between all of them, and it's probably not, you can open your eyes now, uh, probably not the place that you were at or the time in your life. It's probably not what you were wearing or not what you were eating and drinking. Uh, but I would guess the common link between the most special times in all of our lives is probably other people. It may, maybe. A couple, a couple of people were tracking. Uh, so maybe you were thinking about weddings. Anybody think about weddings? Yeah, our wedding, correct. Uh, <laughs> just checking there as well. They've not enjoyed somebody else's wedding more than ours, no. Uh, <laughs> weddings, other celebrations, you know, like milestone birthdays, maybe you were thinking about. No. Uh, births, people think about births. Yeah, there's definitely people involved in birth. Or maybe you're thinking about a death. The very special and very profound times as well. And so whatever you were thinking about... Uh, Whoever, wherever, whenever, the common link is that all of those special and profound times where we feel like in those moments we really see what life is all about and our place in this big thing, all of those really special, really profound times so often revolve around other people. Uh, and this is just how Paul is going to start his letter to the Corinthians uh, by talking about others. And so, as 1 Corinthians was a great, 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 great text for us to work through together as we moved out of COVID restrictions. I think we started in November, October, November 2021, just as we were getting back into the routine of gathering and meeting here. Uh, there was a big kind of reboot of how we do uh, everything after 18 months of doing things very, very differently. So 2 Corinthians is going to be great for us now as we move further into uh, life post-pandemic with all these new normals where a lot of our thinking about stuff has to be rewired. Because if we're going to think about stuff now, like we did in 2019, uh, it's just not, a lot of it is just not going to work. Uh, so what we're going to do this morning there is we're going to introduce the letter and see the first of many, many challenges that Paul gives the Corinthians to kind of rewire their thinking uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, as Diane just read for us. Uh, so we're going to begin together. We're going to read again verses 1 and 2. So if you've not done so already, I'd love you to join me in 2 Corinthians in your Bibles. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 again of chapter 1. This is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are clues in this letter that it's probably, probably not 
the second letter that he ever wrote to them. Uh, some people would say it's the third letter. Others would even say it's possibly the fourth letter that he wrote to this church community. But what we do know is it's the second surviving letter, canonized as scripture, included in our Bibles. And this community, if you weren't with us last year as we did 1 Corinthians, Paul started this church uh, a little while back. You can read about that in Acts chapter 18. And uh, it started this community and as he did, kind of installed some leaders and moved on. And then he'd heard that things were not going particularly well. And he wrote them a letter to try and correct their, their issues. Kind of reboot what they were doing as a community. And that's the letter that we would refer to as First Corinthians. And it seems that lots of people in that community rejected his letter. Again, if you were with us uh, the last 18 months or so, it's quite a strong straight letter. It calls out stuff that they shouldn't be doing very, very clearly. So it seems that lots of people in this church rejected it, and so he visits in person, and he refers to that as his painful visit. And then he, it looks like he wrote them another letter to follow up on the painful visit. And then things were finally on the way up, and then he wrote what we call Second Corinthians. And it's his most open letter to them. It's a very personal letter. It's very honest. And it looks like finally things are on the up. And he introduces himself in this letter, as we read, as an apostle of Christ. And maybe you think this is kind of strange, like, Paul, you know these people really well. These people know you. You don't really need to introduce yourself every time you write them a letter. Uh, but let's not forget that many people rejected his letter because they rejected his authority. Like, Paul, you are... <laughs> They've made up their minds fairly early in meeting him that you are not going to be the guy here, <laughs> Paul. You've got no authority to tell me what to do or what not to do. And so it's, it's good. It's good that he reminds them, I'm, I'm here on behalf of Jesus. I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. It's not a bad thing at all that he reminds them. And he goes on to say he's an apostle by the will of God. Uh, so again, to kind of push back on that idea that, no, Paul, you've just decided that you're going to be the guy. You can't just come and tell us what to do. He's saying, no. This all happened, Paul, in this position by the will of God. And we read that he's joined in writing this letter to the church. And all the believers in the kind of wider regions, it was a very standard practice to read the letter in church and then take it down the road, read it in another group. Uh, and he's joined in writing this by Timothy. And he begins with a very typical, very Paul opening. He wishes them grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it seems that for Paul, consistency was really important when he was teaching, when he was preaching, when he was writing his letters regularly. I think, I'm pretty sure it's every letter that he wrote that's, that's uh, conclusively attached to Paul uh, opens with grace and peace. And uh, really, there's nothing better to be met with is there than the grace and the peace of God and the Lord Jesus. So, so far, it's all very regular. It's all very normal. It's all very Paul. It's very God-honoring straight away. It's very uh, people-loving straight away. And so his introduction is very, very regular, very, very normal. And then he jumps right in and begins talking about other people. 
straight away about comfort. And he's going to give uh, the Corinthians, and then us by extension, a who, a what, and a why of Christian comfort. So we're going to read again verses 3 to 5. Paul said, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow toward us, so also our comfort through Christ overflows to you. So he offers praise to God who, he says, is a comforter. So he describes him as the God of all comfort there. And when we look at the Bible, bigger picture, when we look at the grand narrative of Scripture, we see that God in every person of his being is full of comfort and strength and mercy and help. Uh, scripture tells us that God, the Holy Spirit, is our helper, is full of comfort, strength, mercy, and help in places like John chapter 14 and 15, and that God the Son, Jesus, is also our helper, full of comfort, strength, mercy, and help, places like 1 John chapter 2 or Hebrews chapter 2. And so in every person of his being, God is full of comfort, strength, and mercy, and help. That is just who he is, the God of all comfort. And Paul doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just describe God and then move on. Because to describe somebody, to tell somebody is a, a God of all comfort, a comforter, kind of implies and suggests that somebody is on the receiving end of the help, of the comfort. And Paul writes that about uh, the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. So God in his very, his very nature, his very being is full of comfort and help and strength. And where is this directed? It's to you, to the Corinthians, to me, to us. It's God is the God of all comfort and, and we, his people now, just like the Corinthians then, are the recipients of that comfort. And I want us to, to really, really see here, notice with me that God comforts us in all our troubles. And Paul is very careful with his language. We've talked a little bit in the last couple of years about the importance of the particular words that he chose or the particular words that he didn't choose. And he, he writes, all our troubles. And he means just that, all your troubles, any of your troubles. Every particular minute thing you may or may not be going through, there's no threshold of, of seriousness that we've got to reach before God will step in and help. Paul is, is very serious about what he says uh, when he's, he, he, he writes and he tells us that it's all your troubles, any of your troubles, every single issue that you may or may not have. So what that means for us is that whatever you are working through right now, whatever that might be. And let's be really straight, let's be really honest, there will be at least, in the room right now, at least the same number of problems as there are people. Yeah? Some people are nodding because you've got problems. <laughs> Probably double. Everybody's kind of got one or two things going on at any given time. 
usually. And so whatever that is, whether you feel like it's a life-changing decision, whether that is something that you feel is just a, a minor inconvenience, whatever it is that you are working through, we read here that the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort by his very nature, by, in his very being, in all persons of the Trinity, is here to help. Whether you think that is a, a massive, life-changing, insurmountable brick wall in front of you, or just something that's like a really minor hassle, whatever that might be, God is not distant or detached from you and your daily life. He's not some distant deity kind of waiting in the wings, out of sight, just wondering how it's going to turn out and what are they going to do. Oh, and if it gets really bad, then I'm going to jump in. God sees you and he loves you. And in his very nature, who he is as the God of all comfort, he wants to help, to comfort you, to strengthen you by being in your life, not watching from afar by being in your life, and as we're about to see, by putting his people in your path. And then Paul's not finished there either. And I love, I love that he tells us why. It's so much easier to convince people of truth, of, of, of the need for action, when you tell them why. Did you find that? Oh, wow. No. All right, fine. How many people have got children? Yeah, all right. How, how much easier is it if you give them a reason? Oh my gosh, you've got magic children that you just speak to and they do it. I wish, <laughs> I wish ours were like that. Why? Do that, please. Tidy up, please. Move that, please. Why? It's so much easier if we justify it. It's a new year. Participation is encouraged. It's all right to, to verbalize and vocalize some stuff. It's easier when we're given a justification, isn't it? Oh, perfect. Good. Um, why? Why does God want to help you? Why does he want to comfort you? And without the why, I'm sure we could break down into some study groups and some focus groups and we could come up with loads of reasons why we think God wants to help us. And I'm sure some of them would be really, really good. And I'm also sure that some of them would be really, really wrong. But thankfully, we we're not left to wonder uh, rather than leave the Corinthians wondering. Paul keeps it really simple. He's very straightforward and says that God wants to comfort you. He wants to help you so that we may be able to comfort other people who are experiencing troubles with the same comfort we've received from God. And so this is the first point in this letter. We're, what, three, four, five verses in for us to rewire our thinking about God, but then also about our Christian life. It's a little bit of our vertical thinking, what we know and what we think about God, but also how it looks here as well. God wants to comfort you, to help you, not to have you be all nice and comfortable and kind of floating through life on a cloud, untouched by issue. God wants to comfort you, to help you, to be present in your life so that you can go and do that for other people. 
God comforts and helps so that you can comfort and help. Amen? Good. And it's just, is this, this is just like the spiritual gifts we talked about uh, last year with uh, 1 Corinthians. They're not, they're not for you. Some of them, we said, are more directed to encouraging yourself in your own faith. Uh, more important than that are the gifts that you're given to build up other people, uh, to serve other people, to comfort other people. And it's the same here with the comfort, the help, and the strength we receive from God that will enable us, power us, to comfort other people. And this is a, this is a really, really, really important thing for us to accept but then also do. Diane talked about not being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I'm really glad that she said that, because it's very, very true. Yes, we can accept that God helps me so I can help other people. But if we don't do that, we're just finishing in the middle. The comfort of God is so, 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 so often channeled through other people. And history is full of people who've really taken this on, accepted it, but then also put it into action. And there's a really, really good story uh, that I like to tell on this topic about this guy. Uh, does anybody know who this guy is? No. That's all right. Uh, this is a man uh, called William Booth, who, along with his wife, uh, I think her name was... Amy? Mrs. Mrs. Booth. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> along with his wife, uh, Mrs. Booth, founded the Salvation Army in the UK. And uh, there's a story told about him. Maybe you've heard it before. A couple of years before his death in 1912, he's, he's coming towards the end of his life. Uh, and every year, the Salvation Army had this big annual convention, a big gathering of all the people in their organization. And the general uh, Booth, as he was known in the structure of their organization, would speak and address people and thank people and, and seek to inspire people and uh, do the, uh, you know, the, the, the leader thing. And uh, near the end of his life, he was too ill, couldn't travel, couldn't speak. So someone suggested that he send them a letter or a telegram, as the modern way was in 1910, and um, apparently, uh, telegrams charged by the word, and he wanted to keep as much money as possible for the essentials of the ministry, which were helping other people, and um, so he kind of looked back, reviewed years, decades of ministry, and he was looking for something to, to say to this group of thousands of people, to inspire them, to distill into a word or two what what he really thought it was all about, something that would encourage and guide and direct and inspire his people. So all these thousands of people get together expecting the general uh, to, to stand and to address them and encourage them, and they found out that he couldn't be there. Gloom, pessimism, a bit, dis bit of disappointment because the guy's not there. But then they open up a telegram that he has sent to be read uh, to the room, and do you know what it said? He sent one word, and he just said, others. He was looking for one word to encourage people, to guide people, to inspire people, to direct people, and he just said, others. One word. God comforts us, as we read here, so that we can comfort others. God helps us 
so we can help other people. And really, really simply, the help of God, the comfort of God is given so that help can be given. And it turns into this beautiful, never-ending cycle that help, of God, help, help is given so that help can be given. And it just goes around and around and around and around. Because as believers in the risen Lord Jesus, we're supposed to be funnels of help, a, a conduit of comfort, not some sponge that soaks it all up, keeps it all in, and maybe now and again drips a little bit of stuff out. But help is given to us from God so that help is given to other people. And if you're on the other side of this, you feel like you need help. You wish that someone would come along and comfort you with the comfort they've received from God. Why isn't anybody comforting me? It's scripturally true. I need help. There's a bunch of people here. Why has nobody given me any help? Often, we never receive the help that God, in his very being, wants to give you through another person because of pride. Pride keeps us from revealing our needs to other people, does it not? It does. We don't like to admit that because then we're saying that we're too proud to ask for help. And so because we never share with somebody the struggles that we're going through or the needs that we have for fear of looking like a loser, asking for help, we never receive the very real and very ready help that God wants to give you because we're not open enough and honest enough to share with other people. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> we're not going to turn Friday morning into a everybody comes up and says what they're struggling with. That's just not what the, our main uh, gathering is all about. But we never receive the comfort God wants to give us because we, we never share problems and struggles with other people. So please, 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 don't let pride get in the way of God comforting you because you won't be open and honest with other people. I saw this in 2022 more than any other year of my life. Uh, certainly more than any other year of pastoring the church or living here in general. And last year there were, there were maybe, well, there, was de- there was definitely one, possibly two, maybe like one and a half times in a whole year where somebody came totally out of the blue, unexpected, as if sent by God, like an Old Testament prophet, look, thus says the Lord, let me tell you some stuff right now that God told me to tell you. And they spoke truth into a situation that I was really struggling with without even knowing what that was. It's so good. It's so amazing. That's once in 365 days that happens. But the other 99% of times that I received comfort from God last year, where I saw God really, really working last year, was when I sought out other people in honesty and being very open. Look, this is what's happening. This is really difficult. This is what I need. This is why I'm struggling with. Being honest and open. And then, wow, God, through that person, the scripture comes to life and like this person is just there and the comfort that they've received from God in a situation in their life before that I had no idea about but they then become the perfect person to help, to comfort, to strengthen. God wants to do it through them 
But that only happens when we're open and honest with other people. So those uh, special and those profound times in our lives that we talked about earlier, the, the weddings, the celebrations, the births, the deaths, they so often revolve around other people because other people are so important in our lives. And so for us, now, living here together in Bahrain, your time here might be short. Uh, you might be leaving tomorrow. Uh, you might have six more months. You might have a year. You might have a couple of years. You might want to live here for the next 10 years. However long you hope to be here, one uh, guaranteed, scripturally true way to make your time here really count for something, to make being here more God-honoring with your life, to make it more fulfilling for you, to make it more special, to make it more profound, one guaranteed scripturally true way to do that is to focus on others. And as you focus on other people, others will look after you. You don't need to feel like, well, I need to look after number one first. If, if, you're foc if we're focusing on one another, somebody else will be looking after you as well. It's a nice idea, isn't it? It's a nice big picture idea. Go and focus on other people. That's going to look different for all of us, isn't it? So it's a nice big picture idea. But how do, we, how do we practically, day by day, week by week, go about comforting one another? Uh, our comfort through Christ overflows to you. How do we overflow into one another's lives? Sounds a little bit, it's a nice big picture idea. So let me give you something really simple and very, very easy to remember how we do this. First, we've got to be present in one another's lives. We've got to pay attention to one another and we've just got to be praying for one another. First, we've got to be here together. We've got to be around one another to be the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus in one another's lives. I think, uh, again, post-pandemic, um, some people are a lot more comfortable not being here, let's say. Uh, far more comfortable staying at home, maybe watching the live stream, maybe not, maybe just taking a week. Uh, very comfortable not being present in one another's lives at the gathering on a Friday during the week with anybody else. And that might be fine for you. Uh, you can still take in what the church is offering if you don't come on a Friday. But in terms of our focus being on other people, it's not fine, is it? If we come and we gather and we worship and then we focus on other people, if you're not here, that's not going to happen. Because what if that week someone was going to seek you out? What if in conversation God was going to use you to comfort one of his people and you think, nah, I'll watch online, maybe. Maybe I'll just put the podcast on in the car, listen to it 10 minutes a day over the week. When we come, we gather, we do things together during the week. It's the, the focus, the reason for coming, we worship, yes, and it's for other people. So we've got to be present 
to comfort one another. We're not going to neglect our gatherings, as we read in Hebrews. We're going to be present to comfort one another. And when we are together, we've got to pay attention. We've got to listen when people are talking. We're going to count one another more important than ourselves, as Paul writes to Philippians. We're going to, we gather with other people to focus on other people. We're going to be present. We're going to pay attention to what people are saying. If, if you find the details of what people are telling you every week are escaping you, bring a notebook like I've got. Write it down. If you talk to five people on a Friday, it's difficult to follow up with those five people if you can't remember what they said. You're not paying attention. So we're going to be here. We're going to pay attention to what one another is saying. And then as you're chatting after the service, then to comfort one another. Pray for one another. Make it your mission not to leave on a Friday without praying for someone. It's so simple. You're chatting after the service, what you're doing for lunch, where you're going, how's your week, blah, 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 blah. Hey, let me pray for you before we go. How can I pray for you now? What's going on? What do you need help with? What can I pray for? How can I pray for you? It's such a simple thing to say. We're going to be present. We're going to pay attention to one another. We're going to be praying for one another. And so, as we move into a new year together, whether it be uh, for the next 24 hours, whether it's for the next six months, maybe it's for the next year, two, or ten. I'm going to ask you now, honestly, to join me in making this commitment to be present, to pay attention, and to be praying for one another, to take on, as Paul writes again to Philippians, the attitude that Jesus had, who, though he existed in the form of God in heaven, didn't count that as something to be grasped and kept to himself at all costs, but traded that for the frailty of the human flesh that we have, being so focused on other people, as Paul writes, that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that death on a cross was for others. So I'm going to ask you to join me in making that commitment today, to be present, to pay attention, and to pray. And I promise you, this will revolutionize Fridays for you. It will change how you feel about Fridays, and it will change how other people feel about Fridays. If they know they're going to come to church, and they're 100% guaranteed to have attention paid to them, to be noticed, to be welcomed, to be loved, and to be prayed for. It's, it will absolutely change all of our experiences on a Friday. So if we commit to treating one another as more important than ourselves, to being concerned not only about our own interests, but about the interests of others as well, to comfort in others with the comfort we receive, to help because we're helped, to forgive because we're forgiven. If we come, we gather, we pay attention, and we pray for others, it will completely change Fridays for all of us. So if you're going to make that commitment with me, if you're going to be present, pay attention, if you're going to pray for other people uh, each and every Friday, please come see me afterwards. And let's pray about it together before we love and leave. Uh, but for now, let's stand. Uh, let's lift a holy hand in prayer, as Paul writes to Timothy, and let's pray.